Well, it's good to be back with all of you as we uh, continue to celebrate our Christmas season at least for another few hours. And as we enter into this new year, I hope you all had a blessed uh, Christmas and that your New Year's resolutions are still intact for the most part. I told the kids at the high school that uh, the resolution that I'm that I've started is off to a good start, and I'm still holding on to it. I, uh, I started something called the Whole 30. Some of you may have heard of it. If you haven't, it's this kind of system reset diet thing for 30 days, and it works primarily. And I told the high schoolers this primarily uh, by removing joy and happiness from your plate for <laughs> about a month and uh, replacing it with some healthier options. It's actually not that bad. Um, it, it's not as restrictive as people think it is, and I feel pretty good. So if you're looking for a healthy challenge to begin your New Year's, uh, give it a shot and uh, check it out. As we celebrate the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord this Sunday, uh, as I said, our Christmas season comes to an end, and tomorrow we begin the season of ordinary time. Yet last week we celebrated the Epiphany, this week we celebrate the Baptism, and both of those feasts, they act as kind of send-offs, if you will, for us as we enter into ordinary time. Uh, but it's not a coincidence, really, that the church celebrates these feast days really in such close proximity, more than just as a send-off for us. If we look at the old liturgical calendar, we see that both the Epiphany and then Jesus' Baptism they came just before Jesus celebrated his first miracle at the wedding feast at Cana. And so these feasts, they show kind of a progression of how Jesus' identity was revealed. First as the Messiah King prophesied about by the prophets and then searched for by the three kings. Then the worker of miracles at the wedding feast of Cana. And then for us today, as we're celebrating his baptism, he's revealed as the second person of the Holy Trinity, God the Son, in whom, as we heard, the Father is well pleased. Again, if we look at our Lord's life, as I mentioned, none of his miracles took place before he was baptized, for it was at his baptism when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit and was sent forth then to do the will of the Father. It might seem odd for us that Jesus was baptized, why did Jesus need to be baptized? He was sinless. He was God the Son, fully God, fully man, no sin on his soul whatsoever. And so it might seem odd that he would need to be baptized, but I think there are a few things for us today that we can take away from this celebration that should hopefully also give us a good boost in the spiritual life. One thing that we can take away from this, uh, this account, from this event in our Lord's life, is our Lord's humility. His humility and then also the humility of John the Baptist who said, you know, I'm nothing you know, but his servant, as he said. I'm not worthy to even be his servant and untie his sandals. But Jesus' humility primarily, because Jesus, by going to John for baptism, he, he stands in solidarity with us. He didn't need to be baptized. He had no stain of sin on his soul that needed to be washed away. And as we hear in the full account of this event, John, John the Baptist, even tells Jesus that he should be the one baptizing him because John recognized in Jesus that he was the Messiah, that he was the Christos, he was the anointed one, the one from whom Christian baptism and then all the other sacraments would ultimately receive their grace and power. 
But Jesus, in his humility, he humbles himself to sanctify the waters of baptism in order that through baptism we would have access to grace. We, we would have access to eternal life and we would be adopted as sons and daughters of God. This great act of humility was one of the many signs really of contradiction performed by our Lord in his life. And it's a great paradox really of how salvation was won for us. That the Messiah and Savior, God the all-powerful and mighty creator, saved us by becoming powerless, brought life to us through death, brought strength to us by becoming weak, and cast down the mighty by coming into this world as a little baby. And if we are to be Christ-like in all that we do, we need to examine our lives and we need to ask ourselves if this humility of Christ is present. If it's not, then we need to get to work. As with all virtues, they work to fight and combat the opposite vice. So humility fights and counteracts the vice and the sin of pride. And pride is something that we all struggle with on one level or another. And if you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, no, Father Paul, you're wrong. I'm never prideful. Well, you're kind of being prideful right there. <laughs> because if you're a sinner like me, pride is that the foundation of any of our sinful actions. I'm sure you've heard it said before, pride goes before the fall. Meaning, in that moment, before we choose vice over virtue, in our pride, we say to our Lord, God, right now, I know better than you, so I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to consider what you want me to do. And then we go ahead and act in whatever sinful or disordered way we do. And again, that's pride. We don't consider what God wants for our lives in that moment and instead only turn in and focus on ourselves. We've got to remember that pride was the thing that made the devil the devil. It was his pride. He wouldn't serve. And as C.S. Lewis wrote, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. So whatever areas of pride we struggle with, we have to root those out of our lives and give them to our Lord. And again, we can combat the pride through humility. Humility comes from a Latin word, humus. While it looks like the name of the stuff you can buy at the grocery store, it's not. Humus means really the ground or the earth which is beneath us. And so then connecting that virtue of humility to what we're trying to do here and to the virtue of humility... To be humble means to not have a lofty opinion of oneself. It means not thinking less of ourselves, like, oh, I'm such a bad person, I'm terrible, God can't love someone like me. Uh, no, it means not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. It's putting others before ourselves and submitting oneself to others, primarily submitting ourselves to our Lord and to His will for our lives. As I said, the devil's pride came in the form of saying, I will not serve. And when we look at the life of Christ, he showed his humility to us in coming not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So just off of that right there, that should spur us on to ask a couple questions in regards to our own spiritual lives. First, how often am I serving others? 
How often do I just expect others to serve me? And if I do serve others, am I doing it out of true love, authentic Christian charity? Or am I seeking to get something out of being nice or being kind to somebody? If we want to be humble, we need to start looking for ways to get out of ourselves. To get out of ourselves and stop turning inward. That's why I encourage people all the time, you know, especially those who are attached to their phones and attached to all the different types of social media, that really, while they connect us to people, it turns into a, 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 this inward navel-gazing instead of getting us out of ourselves in order to actually interact with others and have relationships with others. And so first we need to look for ways to get out of ourselves, again, through that authentic charity, and we need to start at home, start with our families and our loved ones, and then eventually your parish communities as well, giving of yourselves, your time, talent, and treasure to help continue to build up this beautiful parish. And this idea of giving of ourselves and spending ourselves for others, it's tied into really one of the other many things that we can take away from this celebration of the baptism of Christ. And that's the importance and really the seriousness of living out our baptismal call. And this is something that we don't stop and think about enough, and I'm guilty of it as well. Really that on the day that we were baptized, not only were great graces and blessings poured into our lives, but an obligation was imposed on us as well on that day. An obligation to go out and make disciples of all nations. On the day that we were baptized, we received our true identity as a son or daughter of the Most High God. Really, I was going to make my whole homily just on that identity and given the identity crisis that so many people are having in our world. That is your primary identity as a son or daughter of the Most High God. No other identities, no other weird ideologies that are telling you to, you need to create your own identity and create your own person. No. First and foremost, you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, and off of that identity should be based everything else that we do in our lives. So we received that true identity as a son or daughter of God. We were grafted onto Christ and adopted into the family of God. And then we were set apart to be evangelists, to go around the world to make Christ known and to bring back our brothers and sisters who have bought into the ways of the world and have ended up in chains instead of experiencing the freedom that Christ wants for them. Again, few of us think of the obligation imposed on us and we, we get complacent in our faith. And that's where I said I think we all fall a little bit. Whenever we get complacent in our relationship with God, we need to get out of that. We need to be moving forward because there's never a moment in our relationship with God where He's saying, okay, everything's good right now. You don't have to grow anymore in holiness. No, every day we need to be growing closer and closer to Him and asking our Lord, okay, what's the next step? What's the next thing you want for me in my relationship with you? I think if we all took this seriously and meditated and prayed upon it and asked for the courage to be that witness, every Catholic church would be bursting at the seams because we would be on fire and everyone else around us would see, man, they're on fire and I really want that same fire that they have. And so we need to pray for courage. We need to pray to be that witness and to take what we receive every week, especially here at the altar, 
I pray for that grace and that courage to go out and be those witnesses. If we're wondering where to start, we need to ask ourselves, well, Jesus, how well do I know you? Because we can't go out and be evangelists if we don't know the one who's sending us out. And I think we can all say we know plenty of things about Jesus. We know where he was born. His mom's name was, was Mary. We know all the different miracles that he worked. But do we know personally Jesus Christ? And so that starts with our own prayer life. Daily, what are we doing to grow closer to him? Daily, what are we doing to invite him into our lives? Because it's a daily invitation. It's not a one and done. It's every day, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Help me to live for you. So we need to start by working on that knowledge, not just head knowledge, but the heart and soul knowledge. And that's one of y'all's responsibilities, because the you know, eight, the twelve, the however many minutes we have as priests to preach on Sunday isn't enough to teach you everything about who Jesus is. So pray for that grace and say, okay, God, where do I need to work? What's that next thing I need to do in growing in my relationship with you? Uh, it might seem like a big, big task to be evangelists, and it is, but the graces are there for us. The graces are there for you, and they have been since the day you were baptized. And our God wants your salvation. He wants you to be these witnesses more than you do. So trust in grace. Trust in our Lord's help that he wants to give you if you turn to it. And that's, again, our responsibility. We have to go to him. So as we come forward to receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist this morning, let's ask for that grace. Let's ask for the grace to truly be evangelists, to never take for granted the gift of our baptism that we received. Really, it was, the baptism was the most important day of our lives because that's when we became sons and daughters of God. We received our faith, and that's when we were set apart to be his evangelists. So as we come forward, let's ask for that grace to never take that for granted. Uh, that we may fall more in love with him in order that we can help our brothers and sisters do the same. Amen.